Right, in this week's podcast, we've got Ben Maxwell back on the show. You guys loved him when he was on previously, so we've got him back on. And uh, Ben is a, if you don't know him, Ben is a marketing genius. He's worked with some of the biggest brands in the world. He's done some huge campaigns and uh, he's sick at branding, marketing, and you definitely would have seen some of the things that he's been involved in. He's an avid skydiver, which is how we met. And uh, we're going to talk everything from skydiving to inspiring others to sponsorships and everything in between. If you're listening to this on iTunes and Spotify, this will be up on YouTube as well. So check out the Storytime with Mo YouTube channel where I'm going to be putting videos for every single podcast or every single new podcast that I do with people and by myself. So you can look at our beautiful mugs as we record these videos. So when you're, when you're working for Red Bull then, I think sponsorship is quite an interesting thing we could talk about. Um, just like, because obviously you're we come at it from different sides what like what sort of stuff did you used to did you used to look for and because so many people man message me or so many people want a sponsorship like yeah, in course. something they just, well, uh, like, yeah. i'll tell you why i'll tell you why this is easy people want a sponsor because they think that a sponsorship means they can just do something they want to do that's fun and get paid for it so yeah. people just think, okay, uh, uh, you know what? I like going to the gym. So if I get a sponsorship from Gymshark, they're just going to pay me to work out every day. And it is not like that. That is how you, a Gymshark sponsorship is incredibly stressful. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. I can every, imagine. Time the phone, every time the phone rang, I thought it was going to be dropped for like something I'd done wrong. And eventually <laughs> I was. <laughs> it, look, a good brand has got brand guidelines for starters. And those mm-hmm. guidelines are not to be messed with. So um, if if a brand is, you know, and young brands, you know, young companies, small companies that do sponsorships, maybe are a little bit different in that they haven't got, they don't necessarily know what they want. But when a company gets to a certain size, they know what they want. Yeah. And if they are giving you an amount of money that you can live off, they will definitely have guidelines. And those those guidelines, um, they the members of staff that are in that team, in that marketing team or in that um, training team or in the procurement team, whatever team they're in, mm-hmm. will be following that those those guidelines, following that paperwork to a T. So when they when they say, okay, well, look, let's take um, vans okay so vans big skateboard brands um, they will have absolute not just on the logo or the colors they use or the style of their trainers but of the people they want to represent them so if you're going to be working you know if there's probably somebody there doing accounts it doesn't matter what they look like how they act on a Saturday night that doesn't matter. But if you are an image for Vans, so if you're going to be sponsored by Vans and they're going to be paying you money to be a front face for them, mm. just think how how strict they are going to be. And they are going to be demanding. You know, if they're going to give you enough money to live off, it's, it's not a case of, okay, well, I can go on my skateboard for um, eight hours a day, 12 hours a day, as much as I want, because I know I'm getting paid for it and I could buy my food for it. It's not like that. You're going to have demands. You're going to have potentially on a, you know, it might just be planning towards a big trip, but you're going to have a a lot of work to do in a week. And it's it's not going to be easy. And some of that, some of that work. I was going to say, yeah, it's stressful. Yeah. And some of that work is, 
some of that work is boring. You know, <clears throat> I mean, I remember um, working uh, working for a company where we'd we'd got in a climber, and this American climber, she was um, uh, she's amazing, and she she'd fit a brand, and. I actually was only working as a consultant, so I can't really tell you the brand, but I was working for a sports brand that sponsored this climber. Yeah, don't, don't exaggerate, mate. Okay. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you know what it is, integrity. Um, <laughs> and she she just thought that she was going to get a trip to Chile to go and do some rock climbing. That was it. Yeah. And we were like, no, 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 you, you've got a planet. So she planned it. It took her a day and she sent it back to us. And we were like, okay, so what car are you using? Where are you filling up with fuel? Where are you eating? Where are you doing this? Where are you doing that? And she had to account for this trip. It wasn't a holiday. Yeah, she went, eventually mm. she got to go. She had a good two months away, you know, a nice eight-week trip or whatever it was. And she saw an amazing, saw amazing stuff. We had video editors go in. We had filmers, photographers. She was under the spotlight. So if you want something nice, don't think this, all right, oh, I'll just go and get a sponsorship. And and also the other thing is I think people who look for sponsors hard don't necessarily get the big guys. Um, what? I can't, you can't, I, 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 like it, go on. I, I can't really remember a time ever that I've known of where somebody has approached a brand I've been working for where they've given them a sponsorship, where where the athlete has approached the brand. Yeah, I, I, oh, oh, dude, yeah, I, I, I agree with that completely. I think it's um, always best to let people come to you or like yeah. use or have like a be at a level where you have a, a manager, for example, that deals with the brands rather than yourself, or you're just gonna yeah. get like get butt fucks technically. Yeah, yeah, I, I have got some bad news for everyone on Instagram though. What is it? Instagram is so big. If you tag a brand in, the important person that you want to speak to <laughs> is not doing the likes and the comments on their Instagram. <laughs> they probably don't sit in the same office. Uh, most brands, it's probably even an agency doing it these days. You are not getting through to the right person by tagging an Instagram or commenting on Instagram. It's not going to happen. You know? No. So. But- <laughs> I do think if you're, if you're like, if you love their shit anyway, and let's say, let's say in like a rare scenario, you take epic photos and you... Like me, you mean? And then I use your presets. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So obviously my Instagram looks shit hot now. <laughs> shit hot. So yeah, so obviously if, for example though, if um if like you take epic photos and then you're, you you use their products anyway because you love them and then you have this like sick photo and they're like a small brand, then I think it might benefit you. But 100%. Yeah, like, 100%. Like but, but, but dude, like people, people message me about getting sponsorships and it's like the most basic thing. Like so many people don't, don't like, like you said, I think first and foremost, the most important thing is not to spot, not to try and do something to get a sponsorship. It's like, you should be focusing on your craft, like whatever it is you're doing first. And then, and then, second of all, what was I going to say? Can't have been that important. Uh, come on, gone complete, gone completely blank, mate. Oh yeah, second or or I was going to say, people need to think about the. Um, I bet you you got this. You got this a lot. Is like people need to think about the, the, the from the perspective of the brand. Like, 
people messaging me being like, how did you get sponsored by um, this clothing company? Or how did you get sponsored by like this brand? And it's like, well, it's like, how can I do it? And they message me and they've got like 200 followers and like shit photos. And it's like, from a point of view of the company, like what value are you going to bring them? Like, yeah. How are yeah, you yeah. going to, are you going to get them more sales because you've got millions of followers? Nope. Have you got some crazy like beautiful aesthetic images that they can use on their own social medias nope it's like have you are you going to be the like next the next massive thing maybe but they don't know that and it's like just all about value man like and thinking about the other party i think do you agree yeah i i think so and i, I actually think um i don't i don't know this for certain but i guess if someone came to me now and said right how do i get a sponsorship and i'm into i don't know football or something or, or going to the gym go to yeah. the gyms actually probably i think what i would do is is probably similar to i think what you kind of just described in that i would tag the the smaller brands mm -hmm. that i like using and i would use smaller brands and i would grow that then i'd move on to a medium brand and hope that a big brand would get me yeah but i i think i mean because and that shows integrity as well because you you know you've helped a smaller brand you've moved into a medium and, and so on and so on my next door neighbor's oh. playing basketball by the way i can't hear it <laughs> i can't hear it oh good ah that's a shame <laughs> fantastic a so yeah um i think just perseverance you know is is obviously key if you want a sponsorship or you want to be an ambassador uh, you know it's just perseverance and not not being in a dream world that you can tag in nike on instagram and the ceo of nike or the head of marketing is using their instagram you know you've got you've got to go to the nike's headquarters find out who the ceo is and then park in his <laughs> parking space like like you did in our last podcast together <laughs> basically the only way you know i mean things, no. things, things are different now i mean Instagram is and social media is so big. And, and to be honest, I'm probably not the best person to give advice on that because, you know, I mean, what have I got, like 480 followers? I think that went up. Mate. I think I got 40 extra followers after I did that podcast for you. After this, mate, you'll probably have like 482, 483 maybe. So be, yeah, be prepared I don't know. I think, for the storm. I think I've already... Um, I think I've already battled your uh, your followers, to be honest. Wait, what's it? Instagram? At bang, at bang, what is it, Ben... Oh, it's, how can you not even know that? It's, it's the Benway. Oh, it's the Benway. Yeah, that's quite good. One. Okay, yeah. so let's get into 483 followers, guys. Come on. Oh, my God. Go, 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 on. go over to Ben's, Ben's account. Just imagine, just imagine, like, my dreams come true if I reach that 500 mark. <laughs> what are you going to do? I, I feel like, I, I mean, we're in lockdown. It's cold. I think I'd have to have a cold shower. Oh yeah, just, fantastic! I just I was trying to think of something really cool then, but I just couldn't even think of anything. Well, probably because like, you can't do anything because you're trapped in trapped in England yeah. now, aren't you? <laughs> There's nothing cool know, to right? do. Oh, what was I gonna What was I gonna say? I was gonna I was gonna add something to to your your sponsorship sponsorship talk, but uh, what was the last thing you mentioned? About um... oh no, 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 that was it. That was it. Um, yeah, as it would. I, I, about you going, how you like slept in your, parked in the CEO of, what company was it? Uh, Dulux. 
Dulux. Yeah, you parked in their space and then got work with them, which is pretty fucking cool. Uh, but I, I think, man, like the, the you were saying that social media changes everything. And sure, like times change and like things get more technologically advanced, but people are always going to be the same. Like the same yeah. psychology is there. You know, like you're, I, I still, I bet that like even with social media or anything, yeah, like sure, you might not be able to write any code or anything like that. But like from a marketing point of view, I'm sure you could still absolutely smash it when it comes to marketing. Ah, uh, yeah, of course I could. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go, exactly. I mean, but, but, you know, and I do, you know, I, I, I think you rely on, you know, you, as things develop. I mean, it's amazing as things develop and as things like Instagram change and Facebook changes, you get experts that come in normally younger not always but normally younger because they've grown up with that or they've they've mm -hmm. got qualified as it's coming about and what happens then is i guess the old school marketeers like myself then rely on people like them so and then they rely on us you know and and so you know someone who runs a, a social media channel at a good level would rely on someone like me to come up with ideas to come up with you know um innovations and initiatives and yeah. PR stunts, if you like, but I would rely on them to get that out there. You know, in, mm -hmm. in the olden days, you, in the olden days, you know, 15 years ago, you didn't rely on social media to get things out there in my day. Yeah. Um, back in my day, back in my day, but you did rely on, you know, you, I mean, let's not get into media today, but um, we did rely on media back then, you know, we relied on newspapers and we relied on magazines and it was, it was just a different kind of, different kind of take. I'm not quite sure yeah. what you're reaching for there, but I was trying to reach for my girlfriend who was walking past in a bikini, but she completely ignored me. Yeah, I don't blame her. Quite, <laughs> quite, quite. So you'd ignore me if you're in a bikini, wouldn't you, Ben? <laughs> <laughs> I like would... think, I think you'd ignore me. <laughs> 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 yeah well I, I would hope so um anyway yeah but i think the main thing is man is um like with all of that of what we're saying is i think persistence is like is everything though and like going whether it's like trying to get a sponsorship or it's not like you're not aiming you're not doing this thing because you want to get a sponsorship and make and make money from it the main reason you should be doing something is because you because you love it and like you're just going to do whatever it fucking like i honestly believe that if you devote enough time to something you will make it work yeah i mean what do you yeah no i on? agree i think i think perseverance is is key i i mean i've got this did i tell you about on the last podcast my my theory between skill and talent did i mention i that? think you touched on it but go, tell me again tell me again so i've got this theory and it it's it's not based on anything. It's not even necessarily based on anything I've read or any fact or anything. But it, mm -hmm. I think that the beauty with theories, as long as you don't try and impart them, push them onto other people, yeah. the beauty the beauty with the theory is if it works for you, then just keep it as a theory. So yeah. I'm not saying that what I'm about to tell you now is the same for everyone. But yeah, yeah. one thing I've lived by and I've worked on, if you like, is... I believe there's this significant difference between skill and talent. Mm -hmm. And what I believe is talent you have naturally. So that's in my head and other people are going to disagree with that. And I'm okay with that, but this is how I move forward with and progress with things. I do talent you have naturally skill is developed 
by hours and hours and weeks and days and months and even years of of hard graft so if you take you know i mean i remember at school there's always like kids good at rugby you know yeah. decent sized lads good at rugby they were fast they were strong yeah they were like i was like three foot shorter than them they were just massive <laughs> like yeah well, but, this, this the where you, you get to an age in school and like the there's there's boys that are men and then there's boys that are boys yeah, like, yeah, like myself i remember that i mean mate, I, I think i was like 12 years old once and like there was a lad in my tutor group i never really spoke to him he was just humongous yeah i, I swear he had a beard and i was just yeah. like what like honestly anyway a bit but and then I so I think what happens then is you get so they've got a talent. Their talent is not just their size, but their speed. They're good at rugby. They they've got this talent. But then they get sort of age 14, 15, 16, and they start getting interest in other things, whether it's mm -hmm. girls, whether it's music, and they just they stop playing for the school rugby team. They give up on rugby a little bit. So that talent fails them because later on in five years 10 years time they're going to be telling their kids and telling their friend yeah i was really good at rugby when i was a kid but you're yeah. not good at rugby now because you didn't develop that into a skill if they'd kept going with it and they developed it into a skill then they would be good at rugby now there is no mm -hmm. there is no point ever telling someone you used to be good at summer there's no point like, i don't even say i would never say oh yeah i used to be a fast runner i mean i did but I still am because sometimes I run like, so, uh, you, you know, there's no, there's no point telling someone. Yeah. I used to be able to play the piano. Well, what, what information does that, what does that give me that you've just told me you used to be able to play the piano? Like yeah. I couldn't give a shit. Oh, right. I'm starting a band mate. So you, you do yourself a little bit of practice. Come and play for me. Like what, like your information of telling me you used to be good at something just tells mm -hmm. me, that you gave up like that's all it yeah. tells me so i'm not interested yeah. so you know i think how i've always seen it is like you know i guess uh, you get those annoying people you know my friends will tell me i'm annoying because when i pick something up i'm generally a little bit good at it mm -hmm. but I, I don't see myself as good at anything until i've developed it into a skill and if i don't enjoy it I won't bother with it. And, and actually, um, I think <clears throat> I like things where there's no end result. So I enjoy the journey of something. I don't enjoy yeah. the success at the end. And I think that is what helps me stand out against other people is, you know, other people will, you know, they're going to go for a job interview as a marketing director. They'll study and work hard and work hard and get and go for that interview and if they get that interview that's great whereas i'm not like that i actually would have been studying for it because i enjoyed the studying all the way along and if i'm not ready for that job i'm not ready for it i'm mean, I, I just i enjoy the journey of things and it's for me it's not about it's not about the end result it's about the the journey to it and i actually first i read about this with um uh, when I was reading a book about some astronauts, because once you get into a, a NASA and you pass the astronaut test, you, mm -hmm. you are declared an astronaut and you spend your life learning photography, engineering, mechanics. You basically effectively just get degrees in everything possible, cooking, so that when you're up in space, 
you can do anything. I mean, they can, you know, they're good photographers. They can do video editing. They can fix it. They could, they could build a car. They can build a spaceship. They can cook. They can do, they, and they do all this scientific stuff, right? So they're scientists. Yeah. They're also airplane pilots a lot of the time. So they can do all of these things. But they might ne- not every astronaut goes to space. They might work for f- for thirty years for NASA, and never go to space. So mm-hmm. if they don't enjoy that journey of learning, it is pointless than being an astronaut. So that's kind of how I like to think I am a little bit. Is that I don't, I, I'm not working towards a point. I'm working towards enjoying the journey. And, yeah, and that's it. And. I guess the only, I was actually going to do, I'm just going to turn on my plug a minute because um, I'm on that battery. Oh, good. There you go. I'm, I'm good. I was actually, um, we're good, we're good. Because I'm, I'm um, you actually inspired me to, to do my own podcast, which I'm going to be doing at some point. In fact, I, I, was, pra- I was practicing with it yesterday, but I, um, I'm going to, my first podcast, if you like, it will obviously just be me because no one's going to want to come on my podcast. But um, but I'll my come first... on the podcast, mate. Don't you worry. Yeah, you're not invited. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I see how it is. Didn't want to fucking come on this shit podcast anyway. <laughs> how did you su- how did you sum it up so quickly? <laughs> <laughs> but you know, my my first podcast is going to be um, about inspiration mm-hmm. because the other thing I do to get good at things is. I do something like I imagine I'm trying to inspire someone all the time. Yeah. No one's watching. I'm still doing it that way. If no one's, if no one's reading it, I'm still writing it that way. Mm-hmm. If no one's looking at it, I'm still doing it that way. So, <clears throat> because I think, I think I said this on your last podcast, the second best thing you can do in life. So the best thing you can do in your, in your life will be save someone else's life. Right. The second best thing you can do is to be a luminary, which means to inspire others. Mm -hmm. So whether that's children or adults or whatever, obviously I'm, I'm a big advocate for inspiring children and, and, you know, I want, you know, I don't want children to grow up and only think that they can go as far as their parents went. I want them to have aspirations and I want them to feel inspired by the world around them. So I think that everything I do, I mean, if I was to mow the grass, by the way, I don't have real grass. So I've got fake grass out there. I'll show you my garden in a minute. <laughs> but, um, you know, if I was to mow the grass, yeah. I would I would do it. I mean, I hate mowing the grass, but I would do it in a way that I thought someone was watching to inspire somebody else to cut their grass as good as I'm doing it. Nail clippers. So, yeah, I mean, that's what it takes. Some... <laughs> that's what it takes. That's what it takes. <laughs> But you, you know, it's um, so like a striving for excellence in, in things that you do, you mean? Yeah, yeah, S- striving to do something that I know somebody else will think looks good. Yeah, uh, um, and I'm not talking about my appearance or anything like that, like, I'm not a looker or anything, but you know, if I'm doing if I'm doing a marketing campaign or, or if I'm doing um, you know, I'm kayaking down a river, it doesn't matter, those two very different things. If I'm doing it, I'm doing it to an ability where I'm thinking, if I do this, are other people going to think, oh, wow, that's inspired me. 
And I think if you can just try and inspire people along the way, then you're going to be doing a good job. And I think what that does is that makes me do things well. That's why I do it. Because I could easily just sit in my kayak and just like float up the river and I get to the other end and I get in the truck and I come home, I put it all away. It's done. I've been out for a kayak that day. It's great. I might've got a nice picture, but if I do it in a way that's like, Oh, someone's watching me. I'm like dodging this tree and going as hard as I can. I know that when I get to the other end, I would have done a good job because I'd have imagined that someone was watching and that would inspire someone. So I think it makes me do things well. Um, You know, I mean, people have, if I've done some marketing consultancy, you know, and I thought, okay, well, I could do this or this and there's an easy option, but I probably wouldn't do it, not necessarily for my own satisfaction, but on the basis that it wouldn't have inspired somebody. So I just think it's really, for me, that's sort of my key to, to what I do is I just, I'm always thinking someone's watching and I've got to inspire them. I like that. That's cool. That's my, yeah, and actually, yeah, I think that's, that's my key to how I've, how I've done the things I've done for sure. And I, you All know, right. but the reality is I don't actually care what people think. That, that's the ironic thing. Like I don't ever care what people think of me. Like I just like, yeah, right. No worries. You know, I, no, I think it's, it's like incredibly, um, incredibly rewarding. Like it's like a very, like almost selfish in the sense that it feels so good for yourself if you can inspire other people and help them out in some some way or another man i also think that's what life's all about so yeah i completely agree yeah all right i, I was We've never done. like go on go on move on move no, on no, no no you go i was gonna say something but you, you finished that first. Uh, all i was gonna say is like, i was never one of those people at school where you know if someone was sat next to you whether they were my friend or not and you know when like you're writing something and like people are, like yeah. covering it up like, oh, can't copy me, can't copy me. And I was never like that. I've never been like that. I've been like, if someone's copied me, they copy me. Like, I don't. Oh, why, yeah. Why, I was why do same, I care? Man. Like, that I also I just... copied other people as well. <laughs> That's probably... well no, we've all been there. But, you know, I just don't care if somebody copies my work. It just doesn't. The only time that would ever bother me is if it took money away. Because I'd yeah. be like, well, I earned that. Now you're taking it. The... But you know what? The world works in amazing ways. Yeah, cool, man. Well, now we're done. I wanna, I wanna steer the conversation because towards skydiving because we, we yeah. it's a pretty catch. I was thinking we could call this like sponsorship skydiving and then something else that's pretty catchy. And also, I want to be selfish to just talk about skydiving as well because let's do it. Let's do it. Obviously, it's not happening. But how? Yeah, how did you get into? How did you get into skydiving? Um. Well, I. How did I get into skydiving? You, you've just, only been doing it for like three, so, three or four years. Now, yeah, so you? basically I, I always wanted to do it. Um, and I I was I always had restrictions on certain contracts and things like that. And just every, things got in the way. And then it was just, I say it's the right time. I wish I'd done it like 10 years earlier, to be honest. But um, yeah. yeah, just um, just decided to bite the bullet. I did a lot of research on... All the equipment i didn't do a tandem first uh like most people me neither i, I just uh went and and i didn't i didn't do any tunnel time which was a massive mistake i think i did three minutes mm. in the tunnel i didn't do a massive mistake either. so and and yeah ha- having seen other people you know um but yeah my i mean my first jump was mental so i 
you know, they basically say for the people who are not skydivers. Did you did you do any tandem at all ever? No. Oh, okay. Because my my AFF actually came like you have to do the tandem as part of the AFF now. Yeah, I did accelerated freefall. Yeah, well, I did mine with like um, you did yours directly with Skydive Algarve, didn't you? Whereas yeah. I did mine through a third party over at Skydive Seville. Uh, so okay. it was like two British guys working out in Seville. So oh, so they just kind of throw you out of the plane. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. So that was Yo, basically it. What was your first one like? Yeah, God. So um, I tell you what, I've got two little um, toy models. Should I go and get them so I can explain a bit of skydiving? Yeah, yeah, do it, do it, do it. I mean, uh, but do people ever watch it or is it is it worth it? Should I just explain with uh, I'll put this on YouTube. So you can do get, get them as well. Let's do both. Why not? Wait there, yeah, I'll stick this on YouTube. All right, cool. For those who, Ben's just gone to get these like little toy models. Oh, I just realized my mic is peaking, I think. Fuck, that's really loud. Okay, so for those who do not do not know, basically the way that you do a skydiving course is you do something called the AFF course, which is the accelerated freefall course. And pretty much you do levels one to seven, which is basically seven jumps if you pass them all. And uh, first jump, you jump out of two instructors attached. I'm sure Ben's going to tell you, like holding on to you. But then you like pull your parachute yourself and you're flying yourself like you're completely on your own. And um, and then by the seventh jump, you're basically going out on your own. And then you've got your you've got your skydiving license done. And you do these levels one to seven, seven jumps. And uh, yeah, it's pretty crazy because like Ben was saying, like you can go in a wind tunnel before or you can just go go and do it straight away. Like I had never been skydiving or done a tandem where you're strapped to anyone else that's where you like go with someone else and you just like are strapped in for the ride i'd never done one um but i had to do one on the day that i was doing my first jump with my with my skydiving course so i'm um, to see what ben says but but you get something called um sensory overload which is where on the first few skydives i'll just wait for ben to come back i'll cut it i'll wait for ben to come back okay so i can't actually find the toys i had so don't know where they are, but all right. We'll, we'll I've got this. Try, we'll, if you try and explain it as well, explain it as well. I've got in this. Case I've someone got this. Hasn't got... Okay, so he's got when you skydive. If you're listening to this, got, we've got, we've got a puppet, right? <laughs> <clears throat> I'm not going to do any. Yeah, but so I've got this puppet in my hand. Now, when you when yeah. you jump when you jump out of a plane, or when yeah. anything falls to the earth, the the airflow. So you're falling to the earth. Let's say you're falling mm-hmm. 100 miles an hour vertically down, straight down a tunnel. You, the airflow or the wind is trying to find the easiest way around you. So it's pushing against you and it's trying to find the easy way around you. Now, if you arch at your hips, so you make this, you make this kind of legs up a little bit, head up and arms up. And so you you, you're basically showing a, you're like pushing your, thrusting your hips out pretty yeah much. you're thrusting your hips down because what so you're in a de- u-shape yeah yeah you're in a u-shape and obviously the more flexible you are the more you can do that okay so by doing that what's happening is the wind is hitting right into your hips where you've thrust in your out, crutch yeah your crutch, and then it's finding the easiest way up your legs and across your face and over your arms to come up past you so technically if you're upside down as long as you still arch yeah. the wind will turn you back over because it's trying to find the easiest way. So that's why they teach you, okay, you, you do your basic body position, they call it. If in doubt, arch. If in doubt, yeah. arch, yeah. And the wind will always turn you back onto your front. 
But that's like if someone can't see, that's like if you if you were to lay lie on your stomach right now on the floor and then push your like crutch into the ground so your shoulders and legs are off the ground, that'd yeah. be an arch. Yeah, so cool lift man. your head, lift your shoulders, arms up above you, legs up, feet up. Dude, I don't think people understand, myself included, when I first started skydiving, how fucking difficult it is. Like, if you jumped out <laughs> of a plane, like, and you, you wouldn't just fall, would you? Like, if you jumped out of a plane, you had no idea what you're doing, you had no, like, AAD, you would die, I reckon. Yeah. Yeah, I Because you, so, yeah. you, you just wouldn't be able to, you would just spin. Yeah, well, and so the other the other thing to remember is you've you're you basically got split your body into four, so a line straight down the middle. Yeah, yeah. Your forehead down your nose, down down your crotch, and to split your legs into, and then your other bit that you would split is across the middle. So probably what's like the middle, like bottom of your ribs, something like that, is mm-hmm. about the weight of the middle. So if you put your arms out in front of you you're making that middle longer. So then you the go The center backwards. of gravity is changing. changing yeah, slightly. yeah, yeah. If you put your right arm and your right leg out, you're going to travel left because you're making, although you've got a center point through your nose, you're making the, the, the space the wind is hitting harder. It's a bigger area on your right. Yeah, yeah. So if you stretch your legs out, you go forwards. If you stretch your arms out, you go backwards. If you stretch your right hand and your right leg out, you go left. You, the, the, way to, the way to imagine it is if you, like, if someone's listening to this, they don't get it, is like yeah. if you're falling and then you stretch your legs out, by stretching your legs out, there's going to be a larger surface for the wind to hit. So yes. that's going to, in effect, push you forwards. But yeah, yeah. But, but that basically means, like Ben was saying, that, when you learn or, or when you first start or when, whenever, like if you move your hand like an inch or move your head like the wrong way because you just like, because you're falling through the sky, you will yeah. like start to spin and completely fuck it up. Yeah, that's right. And so, and the other thing to, to obviously remember is when you first jump, um, you've got, and actually sometimes you still get it even after a little bit of experience, you get this information overload. Oh, you yeah, I, t- I jumped, was going to say this. You know, you've jumped out of a plane at three miles up in the sky. Yeah. Like, just imagine stepping out of a plane into wind that is, because you're traveling forward at the start because you jumped out of a plane. You then pick up speed within within 10 seconds, you're probably 120 miles an hour vertically. Your body's doing all sorts. There's ground, there's sea, there's green, there's fucking loads. Like, your body and your mind is is not attuned to it at all it gives me anxiety like you like like, thinking about nothing (laughs) and there is it doesn't matter what you do nothing can prepare you for it nothing i don't believe that anything can prepare you for something that is so so out of character for so out of human nature well the, 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 the way that i think of it is is like when i did my first skydive or like my first um tandem uh when i first left the plane like I could justify it to myself like it was fine I wasn't really scared but as soon as I left the aircraft door it was like every single cell in my body was like you are about to die you are falling to your death this is the end of your life like RIP like that's literally it yeah I just remember I remember man like I couldn't breathe I couldn't like I was beyond like petrified I was yeah I know (laughs) <laughs> go on, tell us i'll stop interrupting you tell us tell so, us about your first one 
Oh my God. Yeah. So basically, so when you first get, so just to very quickly explain this, um, to get qualified as a skydiver, you have to do skydiver. You have to do seven levels. The first three levels, you've got two people holding on to you. So as you mm-hmm. jump out of plane, you've got one person on each side holding your arm, yeah. holding you. They effectively hold you in that position, make so you sure don't that you're spin safe. and don't you don't yeah. spin, yeah. And then you, you can't pull your parachute if you're the one wrong way around or spinning, basically. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, work. Yeah. And they, you know, they make sure you're not moving forward and back. And then level four, five, six, and seven, you start off on level four i think you're just with one person level five kind of one person but they start to let go six and seven there's just one person next to you and they're just making sure you're doing everything right mm-hmm. and then after that you have to do what they call 10 consoles so that is 10 solo jumps and all you've got to do is survive i think i mean yeah it's just kind of to lock and lock it in isn't it and make yeah sure it's like, just yeah and you can jump out and mess around it's, it's a good opportunity actually just to you know actually experience it and experiment with your body but mm-hmm. anyway so my first jump i jump out i've got these two guys either side of me anyway i go straight upside down right so when you go upside down it's impossible for two people to still hold on to you and move you up the other way so yeah. one has to, so one has to let go they both uh, let go uh, so one let go right yeah the other one so the video is just ridiculous i'm upside down spinning have you have you got it yeah, yeah, I've got it. I can send it. Over, oh, can you it. can you send it? I'll put it on. Can I put it? If I put this on YouTube, I'll, I'll like overlay the clip now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just okay. Fucking ridiculous. Yeah, upside and, down um, spinning. Upside down spinning, and yeah. then then he lets go. I mean, I mean, I don't know if you can see that. Like, that's basically like literally just that's my first oh my, of the jump. That's like a Friday freak out. Yeah, yeah. So the guy is like just trying to hold on to me, and then eventually, after about twenty seconds. Yeah. He throws me. So we're now, they'll throw me in a minute. There you go. So he's, and as he threw me, he throws me up the other way. So then oh, I managed to flip you, did he? Yeah, but he threw me away. Like you, you look like you're pulling a lot of, because when you spin like with two people, you pull G's. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it gets to a so, point where you cannot physically hold on, doesn't it? I know. Right? Well, me, like and that you, time, me and you have done yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Like that time yeah, I, yeah. I put you upside down. So he, he throws me away onto my stomach. I'm now like first ever jump. I've never done this. I've got this massive thing on my back and I'm, I'm two miles above the sky. And I was always told, yeah. you know, training is if you lose both your instructors, you must pull straight away. So yeah, I yeah. Pull, so it gets, he throws me out. I'm on my front. I realize I've got no one and I pull, right? Yeah. No problem. But I'm 10,000 feet up in the air right, at this stage. So mm-hmm. normally we pull at 3,000. Well, no, normally on your AFF, you pull at 5,000, right? Wait, you pulled at 10,000 feet? 10, 11,000, actually. But yeah, right? <laughs> Jesus. Now, this is in Seville. for like 40 minutes, weren't you? Yeah, well, bear in mind, when you first learn as well, you're par- I mean, I jump, my parachute is 120 square foot now, which is a small parachute. Back yeah, then, yeah. I jumped, a, that was a 280 foot square foot canopy. Like, yeah, I'm that's only what six, I started on. I'm only 65 kilos. Like, I think I was, yeah. So, so anyway, but then when you're that high as well, the other thing is the wind is different. So the wind was mm-hmm. strong. So long story short, I mean, just to put this in perspective, they actually closed jumping for the rest of the day because it was too windy after that one, after that first jump. So I oh landed about, I landed in someone's garden about three miles away <gasps> from the drop zone. You, yeah, in Seville. Were you, did you, did you, were you, did, was your landing all right? Uh, yeah, I landed in someone's garden. There was like a horse in the garden. It was out in Seville. And um, I had to walk through this 
lady's house to get out to the front and then started walking back and about Jesus man 25 minutes later they picked me up yeah it was it was ridiculous I'd never and I just thought wow that was amazing um so I mean after that it was fine actually pretty much um it's yeah it's like people can't I think it's very hard to um to to understand how difficult it actually is isn't it because you're like yeah i mean i think people think it's falling but actually you know if you want to if you want to do stuff in the sky you've it's very difficult it takes a lot of time all all you have to do is is look up like on youtube like aff fail or like aff fails like where you like people fuck it up like you did and yeah yeah. and and i guess it's, it's so easy to screw up because like what happens if you if you're walking and if you fall over what do you do you put you put a hand out don't you yeah, to like yeah. catch yourself or let's say you're lying on a sofa and you roll over and you want to stop yourself from rolling you put your hand down or you lean lean just to like so, literally like every your entire life you have been conditioned to move a certain way just like subconsciously but yeah. if you do that in the sky like if you start to let's say you're spinning like you were um yeah to, uh, spinning right and then and then like you, you you might instinctively lean right a little bit to like stabilize yourself that's gonna make you spin more yeah, or, you, yeah. or you're unstable and you you feel yourself falling like a certain way so let's say your like shoulder i don't know your, your shoulders are dropping and you go to reach out like there's ground there extend your arm your sh- shoulders are gonna drop more and you're gonna roll and you're, you're gonna just spin. gonna spin and like it's <laughs> yeah it's so um Everything's so sensitive. But I think that's, I mean, what, one of the things I like about it is, um, is that there's so much to learn. What I don't like yes. about skydiving is the other, the other difficulty and the reason it's so hard, in my opinion, is that you've, you've only got 55 seconds-ish, maybe 60 seconds mm-hmm. to do what you're trying to do. Now, I'm, I'm one of those people who, um, if I fail at something, I want to keep going again and, going, and again going. and again. So, I'm the same man. So, in my opinion, what I need is a, a flight which lasts 45 minutes, not 60 seconds. Yeah. Where I'm like, oh, that didn't work. So I try again and try again. But with this, you got 60 seconds. If it doesn't work, you've got to go down. You've got to pack your parachute, get on the next load. You then got to fly up again, and you got another 60 seconds. And so, what I find hard is just you've you've got that 60 seconds or it's going to be ages before you've got another 60 seconds mm-hmm. and for me that's like that's frustrating yeah because i i don't know if you're i don't know if you remember when it was um it was like me i think it's me you joe and nick first time we ever met and uh do you remember when i was doing my um fs formation skydiving yeah i remember yeah 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 so like i was doing in in the same thing there so basically if you're listening you need to do like if you've got a british skydiving license you need to like do uh do like little like additional achievements or like tests to be able to do different stuff and this was to fly with like other people the formation skydiving fs but yeah i I remember um i'd like rinsed so much money that day (laughs) and it was like the last the last jump and um and it was the last chance i had to do it and I, I failed. I passed every single level first time and I'd failed like one of the final levels. And this was a jump man where, cause you, you jump with like four other people to like test, you can do it safely, but you have to pay for every single one of those yeah. person's jumps, don't you? Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, basically I failed it. And I was like, I had like no money left. I was so, I was so angry with myself. Cause I'm the same mate. Like I will obsess 
and do something again and again and again, whether it takes me like 10 hours until I get it. And then yeah. obviously money is the constraint with that there. And then it might have even been you that said like, um, I was like, shall I do it? Blah, 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 blah. Is either you or Nick, and uh, and it's probably it's probably you to be honest. It sounds like you, and you were like, yeah, just 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 fuck it, just do it. Like, what's what's <laughs> the worst that could happen? Kind of thing. And I did it, and I passed it. But <laughs> yeah, that would have been me. I think yeah. it, you know, it's. I mean, British skydiving is a bit different to the rest of the world because we've got all these little tickets you've got to get through and stuff. I mean, pros and cons to that. Personally, I don't like it. Other people say, oh, you know, it's good for safety and all that. But mm. you know. I think. Um, I mean, skydiving is such a unique sp sport, um, but it's it's also a very um, how can I put this? Like, if you look at it, it's not run in the same way. I guess because it's still small, and although it's been going many years, it, I still class it as it's being run like a small sport. And what yeah, I mean, very niche. yeah, very niche. And what kind of what I mean by that is the people who manage it are just skydivers. So often there isn't mm -hmm. very good, you know, with the exception of a, a few places like, you know, actually Skydive Spain, Skydive Algarve is, is one of them because it's owned by um, a certain family who, who really know what they're doing. But a lot of drop zones, a lot of little businesses, they're just run by people who are skydivers. Yeah. So there's no business like sense there i guess is, is i don't know i mean definitely no marketing sense and um but it's you know and people have said to me oh why don't, why don't you do like a, a business in that and like it's just so small skydiving is small you know it's, yeah it's, it, would you i was thinking about this the other day actually um do you know in so under the british parachute, parachute association bpa you have to, you can only jump from like a registered aircraft. Wow. Do you yeah. know? Yeah. So, so do they you, say, I so mean, I've jumped, I've jumped out of my friend's plane into his farm. Yeah. Yeah. But you haven't actually done that though. That's just all speculation, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, people, yeah. 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 Like yeah. That, that's like, yeah. yeah. Um, but I was thinking yeah. if you, if you change to, uh, if you, if you're with like USPA, United States version, can you jump from any, any aircraft? Because how it, fucking how shit is that that like you're not meant to jump out of it? For example, I couldn't just go and hire a helicopter and jump out of it. Yeah, but that I mean, se that that seems like a British thing to me, like that the Brits it, have come up with stupid rule. Yeah, yeah, it is it is a British thing, isn't it? I, and yeah, I just I just don't get it. I mean, if you're a skydiver, you're a skydiver, right? But it's yeah. right, it's right for paragliders to just go and fly along the beach. But it's not right for me to jump out of a plane and land on the beach. Like what? Yeah, I, it must be something to do with like they have to pay the the governing body a registration fee to register the aircraft or something. But yeah, I, I was like, like really considering like why don't I just change my membership to USPA? Like what what are the pros of keeping the yeah British I don't really know. One? But yeah, I, I'm not looking into it anyway. I don't want to go onto it too much in this because people are gonna find it boring as fuck. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah we bored them with <laughs> we've probably bored them with skydiving talk to be honest. No, nah, but this is gonna be in the title. We can talk about skydiving. I want to talk about skydiving and be selfish. But yeah, but dude, when I did my AFF, I um I'd never been on a tandem or anything either. And I basically, I basically. What made you want to do it? What made you want to do it? What made you want to do it? Because you thought. I'll do that and then I'll get more sponsorships because you you'll you'll get sponsorships to jump out in certain clothes. 
maybe 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 it was pretty, definitely partly to that like like as in like oh it would benefit my social medias and stuff and it, i probably wanted to do it because i saw other people do it but i just thought it was it's a set i've always been drawn to stuff that's like that stupid. scares me shit scares me shitless and is stupid yeah because like then i feel like as cliche as it is the most alive but, but yeah man on that on my on my tandem though on my first jump i did um i suffered from that sensory overload real bad like thank fuck i brought the course as um as like i basically paid for the whole course when i'd never been skydiving before right That's okay yeah, yeah is that what you did yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but um, i didn't get a tandem because it's cheaper yeah but well i ha i think you have to do the tandem and I, I i honestly think that if i didn't have wouldn't have if i didn't pay for the course after doing the tandem i wouldn't have done the course and like normally people say like you hear these stories of how they love the tandem and they fell in love with it and it was like the most blissful moment ever mate i did the tandem i left the aircraft i i i held my breath the whole way felt like i was gonna i was like literally like <gasps> And then obviously the pressure changes as well, so it like yeah, did yeah. things to my weird things to my uh, like sinuses and lungs or whatever. Um, and then I, I, I couldn't breathe. I was like, <gasps> like after about thirty seconds, and then uh, got to, like got to the ground. And instead of this like euphoric moment, like you imagine, I thought I was gonna pass out, throw up, and I just felt like utter shit. Really? <laughs> yeah, it's horror. Oh, that's beast. Yeah, I just, I don't know, like. I, see, I didn't like the idea of a tandem because no. I think part of the beauty of, of skydiving is you're in complete control. Like, I would never take anyone on a tandem either. I would never become a tandem instructor because <coughs> for starters, excuse me. Hey, sweet man. It's got, <laughs> got the wrong way. <laughs> I'd never I'd never be a tandem instructor because like that would ruin the experience for me. But I'd also yeah. never never be on a tandem because I want to pull my own shoe. I want to do my own controls. I want to mm -hmm. be in control of what I'm doing. And yeah, that's what I didn't like. I just think, yeah, you've just got no control. You're just basically on a, on a roller coaster, which has, at least with a roller coaster, there can, there's not very often human error with, I would have a bit of anxiety about going on a tandem because what if he did something wrong or she did something wrong? Yeah. You know, yeah. Whereas at least at least on a roller coaster, you know that the engineers have checked it. Were you were you were you scared on your AFF? Um, or I just a massive? I think I've, I've come come to realize just a massive pussy. Yeah, I, I don't. The, no, I don't think I was. The only thing I was scared of uh, is um, is failing levels and having to pay again. Yeah, that was that was kind of one for me. Just like <clears throat> I I don't I wasn't scared. Um, no, I think. Parachutes are very safe things. They are safe. You've got people don't realize this. Yeah. No, no, no. Like people think parachute skydiving is like mental, all stoked and stuff. I mean, mm -hmm. when I'm on a plane, <clears throat> I am totally calm. Like I am at complete ease with what's going on. So, you know, I've got one parachute which I have packed. I know it's packed well. I know what I've done. <laughs> I pull a I pull a pilot chute. That parachute opens. If it does open wrong then I pull one one thing to get rid of it, you know, which cut, well, doesn't cut anything. It releases that parachute. I pull another yeah. pad, which opens up my reserve parachute, which is packed by a professional. If I knock myself out as I jump out of plane, which, you know, is completely unlikely anyway, you know, mm -hmm. or let's say something happens, 
my parachute is going to open automatically at 8,800 feet and it's going to save my life. Yeah. So, okay, there's a few freak accidents you'll see on YouTube, but they really are freak accidents. You know, I mean, the, the last accident I ever heard of really in, in the UK was the one where the, the guy cut his wife's parachute on purpose. Oh, yeah, well, <coughs> yeah, where he killed her or tried to kill her. Tried to kill her, yeah, and weirdly she survived. But um, How the fuck did she survive that, man? Well, I think she had a little bit of a parachute open and they said she landed on a really soft field that had just been dug up or something. Oh, yeah, I've, I have heard this. That's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, Absolutely but, nuts. It's, it's, it, and he tried to kill her the week before by leaving the gas on in the oven or something. Yeah, you so, probably want to. Yeah, you probably probably want to check your parachute. But but then again, like, like like I was thinking, like I just I I left my parachute in um in a hangar for like two weeks, and sure I'll repack it, but I'm not gonna. But like, if if I was in a rush, I'd I'd just jump it. And like in that two weeks, someone could have gone and just like gone to fucking work <laughs> with a knife on it, <laughs> both parachutes. So, yeah, so I don't know. Man. Nah, what, I mean, what's what's it? Come on. No, 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 I was just gonna say how um how how safe it is. Like, I honestly, without a doubt, think like it is far safer. Or even like my little sisters. Obviously, I don't have any children, but I would rather my little sisters started parachuting any day of the week than riding a sports bike on the road yeah or like, yeah even like horse riding or something like that like mate skydiving is safer than, more dangerous yeah skydiving is safer than trampolining you know <laughs> the, the amount of injuries people get trampolining you just don't get that in skydiving oh uh, yeah yeah the, 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 it's a much lesser chance but i think when it goes wrong it does go wrong but most of the time it's like it's due to human error. That's the thing. Like it's the majority mm. of people don't die from parachutes not opening. They die from mid-air collisions, don't they? Yeah. Or yeah, yeah. they die from like swooping. Like when they go to land, they basically fuck up the landing pattern. And mm. yeah. Oh, dude, Paul. Um, Paul showed me. Uh, Paul Capsi showed me a video. Um, uh, of him absolutely doing himself in on like a hundred square foot canopy. Yeah, terrible, wasn't it? I am. Um, I haven't have seen the video. You, have but... you seen that? No, I, I saw him the week after. So after he had the accident, he had a week off and I saw him on that yeah. week off. Um, he, yeah, I was even surprised he took a week off. He must have been must have been in a bad place. Oh, mate, it's, oh, it's so lucky. He was, he was okay because it's, isn't he like ex-free-fly European champion or something? Yeah, he's, he's pretty beasty. Did you see the one of me hitting a flagpole? No. Here you go. I'm going to show your viewers something now. Oh, you got to send me this. You got to send me this one as well to put on the YouTube video. You hit a flagpole. So, yeah. So basically, this is my my only bad landing. Actually, I um, I I I've been flying a um, high performance canopy. So mm. um, you know, this is very fast. Comes in quick, and uh, yeah. You... Oh yeah. Could you you could like you can get like. I don't know. I don't know what you do on that, but you can do what? Like, can you do like? Can't you do like seventy miles an hour on some high performance canopies? Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Full, talking forward speed, like not forward yeah, speed, yeah. like seventy miles a fucking hour. So, so this is what a, a landing should look like on my canopy. You come in, it's yeah, like yeah. A, you're going at some speed. You're, you're running. You top it out. It's nice. Now this is what. This is what can happen. So I I come down. 
actually knocked myself out on this. Now, there's someone in my way there. I don't know if you can see Wait, them. Wait, you, kn you knocked yourself out? Yeah, so uh, I, I flare up a little bit to get over him. Oh, no. Did you hit your head? Yeah, hit my head. And and what what that was is um, it, there's, there's a name for it. I can't remember what it's called. It's like fixation something. And what it was is... Oh, yeah, I, yeah. I picked up... And basically, the, the canopies are so sensitive that as you're coming in... Mm. You've, you've got your flight plan and you, you've got to stick to it no matter what. And you come in, you pull in what we call half brakes, which evens you out. And then you just do a half flare and it just brings you in nicely. Now, yeah. what I did is I did that movement, but too high. And the wind is stronger, slightly higher. So the wind just yeah. took my canopy sideways. And yeah. then I looked at the flagpole and all I thought was, don't hit the flagpole. That's the only thing. Tons That's the only thing it. in the whole. And yeah. all that happens is I'm looking at it. And as I'm looking at it, I'm just going towards it. So if I'd looked away, I probably wouldn't have hit it, but I was just fixated on it and I'm looking at it. And yeah, and then, I mean, it hurt. Did you, did you hurt yourself at all? Or did you jump again that day? Yeah, I actually got on the next load. Um, oh, that's probably the best yeah. thing to do, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, I was determined just to get on with it. So I, I was out for a few seconds, woke up. People around me, and they were like, come on, you're right. So I got up and they sorted out my yeah, parachute. Fine. And then they packed it and then yeah got the next load i didn't re i didn't Crazy. do anything amazing on the next load but yeah i just wanted to make yeah. sure yeah well well on the on the smaller canopies if you're listening to this as well just to clear it like clear it up basically what ben was saying is you you have like these toggles or brake handles and then if you pull them down like half like to your shoulders they start to get up above your arms you're going to slow yourself down which is going to reduce reduce your downwards fall rate because i think people f fail to realize as well ben like when you when you're under a canopy like especially smaller ones like you fall like vertically still fucking fast yeah yeah like, like let's say for let i think like how big is your canopy 120 square foot yeah if i didn't if i didn't do any flaring on that it would either kill me definitely break my legs and my hips and my yeah you know, so, I'm so if down. you just so, so if you just let yourself like float to the ground like you see like soldiers doing you'd probably die yeah 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 for sure <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's like and then if i if i tried to use your canopy i would i would definitely I mean, you'd, uh, you'd yeah, be buried I'd, yeah i'd be i'd be like up to my neck in uh in dirt yeah it would so, be horrendous so you yeah, have but, to so you've got there's two types of you've got the downwards movement the vertical but also the the forward movement on it mm -hmm. so and well i think what people fail to realize is it's not just a sheet above your head it's like nine small cells that are filled with air they, yeah so, they feel, uh, yeah so you're going forward and down and then as you're about to hit the ground well i do it when my feet are about where my chest would be so i don't know it was like five mm -hmm. foot up i bring it in which then all that does is change the pit so my my canopy's like that is change the pitch of my canopy because when i pull my toggles it pulls down the back of the canopy so, it changes so you transfer the, the you transfer the downward momentum into more forwards momentum yeah and as i do that it's yeah. then going forward 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 still going down very slowly yeah um but because the because the air is filling up the the cells it's slowing me down so i sort of come yeah. down like this i pitch and then i i lift up a little bit and then land but then but then if you do that a lot so but the, the the last part then where you're pushing the the brakes all the way down is basically collapsing your canopy isn't it yeah yeah pretty much yeah yeah so yeah so so when you say early you went too early you've already did you 
flared no, no, no. So what I did is I, I pitched. So the ground is here and I pitched up here. So then I took the wind. I pitched back. So I just pitched too high. So I didn't flare. I pitched too high and then the wind just took me off. And the wind actually yeah. took me up. Like, I mean, the wind can be brutal, can't it? So, yeah. Oh, mate. I've, I've, I'm still obviously very new, very new to skydiving, but the the one uncomfortable like landing I've had was I think I told you about this, didn't I? Was when so you you land into the wind. So basically, let's say that like your big like friendly forgiving canopy goes has a forward speed like a ground speed of twenty miles an hour. So does that sound about right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's so yeah, so you're going at, going at twenty miles an hour when you when you land. So. So you, you basically have to, you don't have to run at 20 miles an hour, but you, your legs have to be moving fast and then you slow down pretty quick when you, when your feet touch the ground. But if, if you land, if you land in, you want to be landed into the wind. So if you've got a 10 mile an hour headwind, 10 mile an hour wind towards you and the canopy travels at 20 miles an hour, that's going to mean your ground speed or your speed when you land is only going to be 10, isn't it? Yeah. 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 Whereas if you land but with yeah. the wind behind you, you're doubling. Yes. Yeah. So I went, um, I went with, uh, I basically the that you have like a landing pattern when you when you skydive and when you you jump out of the aircraft and you open your parachute. Everyone lands in the same way, which is meant to be into the wind. But on this jump, the wind would like switch. This is an Algarve bend, and you know what the wind can be like can be pretty savage. It's quite a windy day, and uh, the wind had switched switch directions i think it was something like 27 knots in the wow. other direction which is like 30 miles an hour so you're coming in at fucking fast and uh i tried wow. to exaggerate this i'm pretty sure i said it in the youtube video with more with accurate figures but i think it's i think junior said he was coming at like 27 knots something on his canopy or the wind was 27 <laughs> it's something it's something stupid like that but um but yeah basically i went to went to land or, or got to like 20 feet off the ground i was looking at the ground and it was just like opening the car door on the motorway <laughs> like looking at the tarmac and i was like there is no fucking way i'm gonna be able to i'm gonna be able to run that so i literally just um just like took the entire landing on my ass and slid yeah. for about 30 feet and then uh almost went into a horse as well almost like five <laughs> feet away from, 10 feet away from crashing into a horse i reckon but there's people there that on that jump that tried to um because everyone was in the same boat that like tried to land on their feet and like they like bounced and rolled and yeah, like yeah. some people got properly fucked up man i mean when you get on small canopies you you don't really try and land i mean you never try and run anything off if you can't no. get it perfectly where you land slide it do you yeah you slide it yeah because it's not it's not good for, even if you're a fast runner you can't it's not good for your body to go from 0 to 25 miles an hour mm. in in one step you know so it's, you end up messing your knees up i mean I'm always quite comfortable just sliding on my ass now anyway. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, and if you get it right, what you can do is just pitch at the very end. So just to get back up on your feet. But I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, the other thing is what you don't want to do is you don't want to turn anywhere close to the ground because your canopy is flying like this. Now, when you turn your canopy tilts, so your canopy above your head tilts like that. And then as you straighten up, your canopy does that for a good 10 seconds yeah so as you turn into your last turn you want to you want to turn in but you want a long straight before you land a long it's, it's why yeah it's, it's you can't make any like decisions can you post no no it's why because like on the aff you do your landing pattern it's like 
one at 1,000 feet, you make a turn, first turn. At yeah, 500 yeah. feet, you make the second turn. Then it's That's 300 weird. feet. Anything below 300 feet, which is a long way up, like 300 feet. Yeah, yeah. How many stories? How many stories is that? Like a few houses. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. A lot of houses. Um, like after that, you're not meant to make any turns or anything because you can basically kill yourself. So yeah, but we're not making it sound very safe, are we? Then. Nah, I mean it's a death trap. I wouldn't do it. No, I would do it. <laughs> No, it's, honestly, skydiving is very safe. I mean, we're talking about things that you learn. So once you've learned them, you've learned them. You know, I mean, I think that I think people think that when uh, you get skydivers, they're like real big risk takers. But actually, I'm quite risk averse as a person. Really? Mm, I think so. I I don't think so. You definitely didn't. You used to ride a motorbike for Kawasaki. Oh yeah, but. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dying. I think um I shouldn't be eating sweets so I'm chatting to you. But that's okay, it's right. Got like pack the thing is you've got a nice background. I've got a nice pack of sweets. What have you got? Oh, I'm a sucker for sweets. Well I actually I got I went off them a bit after um my my three months of zero fat. I was basically eating a bag mm. of sweets every day. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> God yeah. But so, no, I think, um, look, risk is all a perception and risk is all down to what you perceive to be dangerous. Now, I I think I only actually do things within my comfort zone, which would suggest that I am quite risk averse. I don't ever feel like if I was to go around, go on a motorbike and go around a roundabout with my knee down, twitching the back end a little bit you know other people would look at that and go that's risky but i i got i know exactly what i'm doing so i'm not pushing any boundaries doing that you know skydiving did you used to push boundaries did you used to push boundaries though because obviously i think to get good at anything like properly (laughs) good you have to yeah you always have side of your compass like like to get to that level where you've got your knee down the bike and the back end's like twitching you've only you're only able to push it that far because like you you built that up yeah i guess so i think but also it's about um attaining and retaining information so you, you can learn how to do these things and if you if you spend enough time learning which comes down to enjoying the journey of learning if you spend enough time learning about it and learning yeah. every bit about it and understanding not just learning how to do it but understanding why something you know why is that back wheel twitching what's it actually doing what what is the what what would happen if i then touch this or touch that what would happen if i change gear understanding every element of it then gives you information you then retain mm-hmm. that information and then when it comes to trying it okay you i guess you're right in a way like you are pushing the boundaries but you are retaining and using the information you've learned you know, I, I wouldn't just go out and if someone said to me, look, I want to drop off this, um, I want to go and do a base jump. Now, I've done my research on base jumps. So I don't really need to do any more. It's not for me. But yeah, would you not even do like a bridge or something? <laughs> nah. No, 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 not unless I could use my parachute with uh, reserve in it. What about what about if like you had the, sh- the, sh- the, the shoot already out? Like someone was holding it on, he's jump off and it opens. The lines can still twist, right? I mean, yeah. uh, uh, no, I mean, it's, 
For me, I think there's too many um, variable factors in base jumping. Um, with, I, I think so. If somebody said to me, "Oh, let's go and do this. Let's go and drop off this waterfall in a kayak," and I knew it was way out of my comfort zone, I would just do loads of research. I'd understand everything about the waterfall we were going to go to. I'd understand everything about all my body movement, where I need to be, what I need to do, uh -huh. and and then I'd make a decision. No, I can't do it. Or yeah, safe to do because I've got that information. Yeah. Um, and I've got, a, <coughs> I've got a really unique way of um, retaining information actually that I, <coughs> I learned when I was, when I was at school and, um, and I do it <coughs> ever since the same way, which works for me in pretty much every aspect of life. I, d I mean, how long is this podcast? Oh, do you want me to say it? Yeah, so basically, go for it, man. Let's do, let's do, let's do like another 10 minutes and then wrap it up because my laptop's good. I. Yeah, okay. Well, you can always cut this into two podcasts because it's so long and amazing, obviously. Nah, let's do it. As, but, I, I want to do it. As, I like doing it as one. So basically what I do um, is I write down, I make like a, um, a flow chart. So I write down like in the middle, it might be, let's, let's take this example of the kayak falling off a big waterfall, right? Something yeah. way out of my comfort zone. So uh -huh. what I would, what I would do is I'd write in the middle, waterfall, three, kayak, right? Then off of that, I would do loads of strands. So those strands might be um, just like flowchart, might be, okay, um, speed of the water. And then I'd have like all the information in there. And then this <coughs> body position, lean back slightly to the left because of the rocks. Um, paddle, paddle position, hold it off to the right, pull back three times as soon as you land this this and i go through everything right yeah and i did this obviously a long time in advance i then would the next i'd then look at it study it for an hour the next day i would then write it all out again handwriting or in pencil on a piece of paper without looking at the other one i'd then mm -hmm. look at the original and see what i've missed and then update it with in pen so i know what i've missed so the next day i do it again and i do it every day until i can get it all right Really? So I've got all that information in my head. <clears throat> and then I might do it every now and again before leading up to the event. So I did that with skydiving. I do it with talk. If I'm going to give a talk somewhere, you know, a company, I will, and they've said we want it to be about this, I will plan my whole talk based around this and I will study and keep writing every day. And the advantage with it is if you've ever got a test, and let's say you've been revising for a science test or a fitness test or something, yeah, and you've got a written test. And you've learned all this stuff on your flow chart and they say mm -hmm. to you, okay, you may now start, you turn the page over, you draw out your flow chart and you've got all your revision notes right in front of you. So retaining information is, is like, a, <clears throat> I'm not, I'm not going to call it a specialist, but I just got, got a really unique way where I just make sure I get, get every bit of information I can. And then with that information, I just retain it. That's um, a, that's a cool one actually. Yeah. That that's um i never tried that i might give that a go for things but i used to um i still i still do it it's like it's so cliche but write stuff in my hand like yeah. uh but even skydiving like if i i, when I had to remember like a sequence for a sequence to do like i'd write on my hand like specific order like literally i've always done it um for loads yeah. of things. like like remember i can't remember i think it's like going up when you do you remember when you have to skydive and then you do your uh your you do like 
in, um, out, in, out, uh, but you do it differently with instructor, don't you? I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then all yeah. that stuff. And then I remember doing my commercial diving course as well um, a few years back. And I would have like a, I'd have like notes written down on my hands of like key things to remember during on the actual dive. So I'd be there like 30 meters down, <laughs> my hand with some <laughs> notes written on. I mean, you know, writing writing stuff down and and I mean retaining information is is key to key to doing something well. I think. Yeah. Um. You can you can do loads of research, but if you can't retain if you can't retain the information, you're you're fucked. I think people think like as well, like you, you're saying about stuff, for example, the kayaking analogy, like especially with me, man, like doing things. And obviously my life's quite public on social media. Like a lot of the time people are like, oh, you're so crazy doing that and blah, blah, blah. And this and like, oh, like it, it looks absolutely nuts. But I'm the same as you, like in the sense that like, I'm completely confident with my own abilities and like yeah. I research the shit out of things. Like I will, like where whereas like people in school, if they if they like I don't know, let's say or, or let let's say like on a you're doing a climb or something, whereas uh, that you have to do as part of your PE course or something something like that, something quite yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas people would be be like told to go home and like look at the look at their notes and no one would do it like i would actually make sure i did it and like learn it all well and then when it comes to it i i know like i know everything so i'm gonna be yeah. a lot more confident it's not like i have this inherent confidence because of like actually built that up yeah no definitely and and yeah because well i think that's the difference between confidence and cocky mm. because cocky is often um uh, an interpretation of well, cocky is all often a fake confidence because it's like uh, look at me, look at me, look at me. But actually, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't really know what. I guess what I'm trying to say is, if you're confident and you've, it's not in a good way. It's like it's not an inherent confidence. It's a built-up confidence in in your own ability based on the information that you've got and based on what you've retained and based on what you've learned. You know, cockiness to me is just for the sake of it well, um, well yeah like 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 you've like if you're confident um or as you the first example you use like you have you you've you kind of earned the earned the ability or you've, yes. you've developed the skill and whereas <laughs> cockiness is like you, you're just big-headed about your own abilities and you're like oh yeah it's easy i can do that which is yeah 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 i mean but, you know <clears throat> it's 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 like I mean all sports uh, have got have got risk. Everything's got risk. It's just about managing it. I don't ever think I take risk. I just think I manage it well. I reckon you take little risks. <laughs> <laughs> little little well managed risks. Yeah, maybe, 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 maybe I do. I mean, I think I just wouldn't ever be an advocate for taking risks. I think that would be the how I'd word it. So maybe I do take risks for myself, but I wouldn't be an advocate for other people to take risks. I, um, I think the moral of the story is like develop the put the time in and develop the skill so the the thing that you perceive as a risk no longer is a risk yes and i always i always go on, go on go on no you go no you go i was just, just gonna go. say and while while you're developing oh, you get first while you're developing <laughs> no, stop it while you're, <laughs> while you're developing that skill you know do it in a way that inspires people is, fantastic mate is key well that was a yeah. an epic an epic ending statement i'm gonna ruin it and just add to that but um my laptop's about to die so i'm gonna have to shoot in a, in a second but yeah I, I always think of um i think of like quite a lot i do like a lot of like walking and strambling on cliffs and other things and i always think of those like 
mountain goats that they don't even have hands or thumbs. They have they have like one toenail on each foot as a hand for God's yeah, sake, right. and they're like going up stuff. It's like <laughs> vertical, like hundreds of feet, mm. thousands of feet above the ground, and like they're sure some of them probably die, but they're not like dropping dead left, front, right, center. Like they're no, they're no. able to do that because like they have developed the sure it might be like innate, but they have developed the skill to do that. Yes, but like yeah, yeah. someone like it just looks completely crazy to, to us but i'm sure if you spent your whole life developing that skill to climb things like that you'd be fine so it's like whenever i'm climbing yeah. stuff i always think like if it's just like a matter of perspective in the sense that i haven't developed the skill to do that it's yeah, not yeah. it's impossible that doesn't mean i shouldn't do it but it's just like i haven't developed the skill but yeah, yeah no definitely no i agree i completely agree don't want to plug anything before we before we wrap this up social uh, media where can we find you uh at at it's the benway yeah facebook sick. ben maxfield get, get, get um, this man to 500 followers yeah do it oh my god my life would just be complete i did <laughs> use you know i did used to have a i used to have an account that had uh fourteen thousand followers but i turned it into a business account for one of my companies so oh, really? what, to, what, what did the account um, used to be it used to be it's the benway and then what i did is i changed that account oh, changed username. Change the username and then i created a new one just for like because then I was like, okay, well, you know. But yeah. actually, there was a massive mistake because when you change the username, it just cancels all your algorithms. So, um, it, like, that account... Shot, I mean, yeah, basically, I mean, that that account is um, is owned by the travel agency I own now. Yeah. And it's got, like, 17,000 followers, but it still only gets, like, 100 likes for a picture. You have reached the end of this week's episode. If you enjoyed it, drop it a rating, drop it a review, or even better, drop it a share on your social medias so more people can find it and it really, really helps the podcast grow. You can DM me on Instagram, at Mo Samuels, and put the first line of the DM as podcast where you can suggest topics, ask me any questions, and I will get back to as many people as possible. Also, if you want to see exclusive video content and videos of these podcasts, you can go over to the Storytime with Mo channel on YouTube as well, which has just launched.